Hebrews 9 says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. Judgment of death and judgment are things that all of us are confronted with. Unless Christ comes back while we're living, not a single one of us in this auditorium will avoid death. And as we think about death, who would you rather have to talk to you about that subject than anybody else? Have you ever thought about that? I believe that there is a man that, as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather listen to what he has to say about death than any other man that I've ever known of. And that man was the Apostle Paul. And that's what he did in 2 Timothy 4. When you realize all the epistles that Paul wrote, the greater part of the New Testament, 14 epistles if you count Hebrews, 2 Timothy is his last epistle, last letter. The fourth chapter of 2 Timothy are the last words that he ever penned as far as we know. He knew that he was going to die. He was impressed. He realized that his days were limited. And as he contemplated the fact that he was going to die and in writing the last words that he had ever write as far as we know and especially as they are in the scripture, he selected the subject of death to write about. And I'd like for us to look at this chapter and some of the things that Paul said in it to help us try to appreciate some things about death and how that we ought to come to look at death. I believe there are some things in this chapter that are valuable. Knowing that I'm going to die, what are some things that will help me when I come to that time? First of all, there is a reminder of the fact that Paul was a preacher of the gospel, and as I've been a preacher of the gospel, he mentions that fact, and he emphasized the importance of preaching. And that reminds us that one of the important things to be prepared for death is to realize the importance of preaching. Have you ever thought about what you would think about preaching when you know you're facing death. In this very chapter, he talks about there'll come the time when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto faith. Whenever I come to face death, and I think about preaching. First of all, what kind of preaching did I want while I lived? Did I want preaching that was true? Did I want preaching that I needed and that would help me? 
Or did I want preaching that just sort of, as he uses the term here, having itching ears to satisfy what I want to ignore what my real needs were? We ought to think about every time that we sit under the sound of a sermon. What will this sermon mean to me when I come to face death? How will I think about it? And how will I apply it? What about the truths that are in it? Have I just heard it and without it making any imprint upon my life and any change or alteration in my life? Surely we do not want to come to the end of life's pathway and think about the sermons that we've heard. And how they failed to make any change in our life. We went on our way. It'd be a frightful thing. And it's not any wonder when Paul was facing death, he said you need to think about preaching. You need to think about the kind of preaching you want, and the preacher needs to think about the kind of preaching that needs to be done. But I'm emphasizing this morning our reaction to preaching. And the kind of preaching that we ought to want. Do we encourage the preacher to preach the truth? Do we encourage the preacher to preach sermons that will help us? Do we let him know that when a lesson has been presented that touches our lives in places where we need to make changes, that we say, I may not have appreciated that sermon so much, but I needed that sermon. And I'm glad that you presented it, and I'm going to try to use it, because that's what I need. But then not only that, there's a price to be paid. No, Paul said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. Think about the price that Paul paid to be a Christian. Read 2 Corinthians 11 where he describes all the hardships that he went through. Have I lived a life of convenience? Or have I paid a price, number one, to know the Bible? Have I paid a price in fighting the fight of faith? Keeping the faith. Study. Refusing to allow the world to affect my faith. And whenever there have been doubts to arise in my mind, to go to my Bible and seek to find that which would satisfy and build up the faith. What kind of price are we paying? What kind of time and effort are we giving in living the Christian life? When you come to die, will you regret a single hour you spent in Bible study? Can you imagine one facing death saying, I wish I hadn't studied the Bible that much. I wish I'd have spent my time in other ways. Can you imagine one coming to the face death and saying, I regret all the Bible classes that I attended. 
We know that's not what we'd say. Why don't we learn from Paul and realize there's a price for us to pay if we want to face death as he faced it. And when I come to die, I'd like to be able to face death as he did. Because I want to finish my course. I want to keep the faith. Then think about the precious reward, the crown of life. I have never worn, never will wear the crown of a king. There are many crowns the world has to offer. But you think about the crown of life. There's the word crown and the word life tied together. It's not just a crown. It's not a crown of death. It's a crown of life that goes with life. Can you think of anything any more valuable than that? To have that crown? What a reward. To be able to face death and the very idea of death is the end of this life. But in contemplating death, to think about it not as the end of life, but as bringing me to a crown of life. And therefore the encouragement that is in death. It's a crown of righteousness which the Lord has laid up for me. It's awaiting me. God, the Christ has, or God has, a special crown awaiting those who have lived and served Him faithfully. When we come to face death, we'll think about the peril of the world. Look at verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. World may attract us now with all of its glitter and its glare. But can you visualize your last day on earth? How this world will look to you? What appeal there will be. What desire you will have for it. It will all be gone. No wonder John said, Love not the world, neither the things in the world. For any man of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ah, we won't love it then. I've never known anyone facing death that loved the world, whatever there was in it. But then, Demas loved it, having forsaken Paul, and in so doing, evidently forsaken the way that was right. What would it be like? To come to the end of life's pathway. No, I'm going to die. 
and having turned my back upon the Lord that redeemed me, cast him off, rejected him, spurned and despised the one that died on Calvary to cleanse me from sin. I do not believe that I could face death knowing that I had allowed this world to pull me back into it, lead me away from the Lord, and cause me to turn my back upon Him. Then again in verse 11, Only Luke is with me, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Here is a man that started with Paul on his first missionary journey and then for some reason turned back. Came to Perga and he decided to go back home. We don't know why. But here is a man that faltered along the way and whatever that may have been did not let that keep him from being profitable. Paul said, bring him. He's profitable. He'll be of benefit. He'll be of help. And when I come to the end of life's pathway, there will be times that I have faltered and failed. Will I have given up? Or will I, like Mark, refuse to allow that to keep me from doing what I need to do? And to live a life that is profitable and that can be of benefit to others as Mark was to Paul. Then in verse 13, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchment. Evidently, the parchments there is a reference to the Old Testament Scriptures. Think about what that must have meant to the Apostle Paul. Knowing that he was going to die, he is going to be put to death by the sword. Did he read Psalms 23? Did he read Psalm 57 where David, fleeing from Saul, was in the cave? Take just a minute and look at Psalms 57 and notice a few verses in that psalm. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears 
and arrows in their tongues a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They've digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Bring the parsons. I don't know what Paul read, but it would have been appropriate for him to have read Psalms 57. David, in the situation that he was in, fleeing from Saul, crying out for mercy, the calamities of life over his head. Then in the midst of all of that to say, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Is that a wonderful way to come to the end of life? That regardless what may surround thee, to know that I have this book and to be able to read it. Bring the parchments. Paul did not wait till then to read it, of course. In this Psalm before 57 is a psalm that means a lot to me. Verse 3 and verse 11 are verses that I <clears throat> repeated over and over again when I was facing open heart surgery. I'd been when others had had open heart surgery. I thought that would be a terrible thing to go through with. When the doctor said you've got to have open heart surgery, uh, it was fortunate just a few weeks before I had for some reason referred to this song. Listen to it. What time I am afraid, I'll trust in thee. What a song. Then look at verse 11. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Wouldn't that have been an appropriate psalm for Paul to have read whenever he said, bring the parchments? Or that passages in the Bible that have a special appeal to you? Have you studied the Bible until there are precious verses and precious uh, chapters? When I was living in East Gadsden, one of the ladies was to have surgery. I was at the hospital and when they came to care of the operating room, I walked out of the room by the side of the stretcher where they was carrying her down the hall And as 
going down the hall. She quoted the 23rd Psalm. Every word of it. The doctor said, I've heard men curse and swear. That's the first time I've ever carried a patient to surgery. They quoted the 23rd Psalm. What about the parsons? How much of the Bible do you have in your mind? Think about when you come to the end of life, facing death. Paul said, don't forget the parsons. Don't forget the book. Treasure it. My father died unexpectedly. I carried him to Aniston to see the doctor and he dropped dead in the drugstore. I didn't see him that morning. It was about 12 o'clock when he called me and said, I'm not feeling good. I'd like you to carry me to the doctor. But there's one thing I'm sure of. The last day he lived on earth, he read his Bible because he never missed a day without reading it before he ever left home. It didn't matter how busy he was. Didn't matter how much he had to do. Didn't matter how much pressure there was for time. That book always had to be read before he ever left home. It's wonderful to know. And that was a sense of satisfaction to me. Just to know that I didn't see him. But one thing he did the last day he ever lived was to read the Bible. He knew what that parchment meant. Paul said, bring me the parchment. Let me encourage you. Don't let everything and other things keep you from reading your Bible every day. One day you're going to die. It may be that you'll be like my father. You'll not have the opportunity to say as Paul did to bring the parchments. But let it be regardless of whether you have time to call for the Bible or not to be a day that you read your Bible. The pressure of too many things is robbing us of time to think and to study and to read the Bible. Then there's the matter of personal relationships. The Bible teaches the importance of personal relationships. But have you ever thought about how important personal relationships are the last day you'll ever live when you're facing death? Look at what Paul said. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his work. Of whom be thou ware also, for he had greatly withstood our word. So Paul is saying, here's a man that did me evil. But he's not bitter. He's in God's hands. And said, I'll leave it there. And then there were those that had forsaken Paul. Note what he says in verse uh, 16. 
At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Paul facing death. And here he is, everybody's left him, standing alone. How will Paul feel about people that have just left him in the lurch that way? I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Isn't that the way Jesus prayed on the cross? Isn't that the way that Stephen prayed? What a wonderful way to be able to grow in life and develop a spirit that can pray like that. We allow our relationships in life sometimes to become ruptured and become bitter. And sometimes we go to our death that way. I knew of a man, two elders had difficulty. Brother Nichols tried to resolve the problem. One of the elders said that I'm willing to straighten up things and confess my wrong and ask the other to forgive the other one said I'll spit hell wide open before I'll ever change what an attitude I pray that he didn't live out the rest of his life that way that some way down the way he found the courage the understanding and the importance of being able to change that but what about my personal relationship I want my personal relationships to be well with everybody. I don't want to leave this world with ill will and a single heart toward me. If I know about it, and I can do anything about it, I want to do my part to see that personal relationships are what they ought to be. Notice also verse 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto the heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. What a wonderful concept of death. Paul sees death as a means of preserving a door, an instrument, through which he'll enter into that eternal aspect of the kingdom. The very thing that's going to take him and crush his temporal, physical life from him becomes the instrument by which he enters into everything that he's ever longed for and lived for and worked for. How that changes our outlook on death. Wouldn't it be fine to come to face death and to say it's going to be the instrument of me gaining what I spent my life living for. It's going to be the instrument that's going to give me things that this world never could give. 
is going to be the means of me having all that the heart can desire. It's going to be the means of me seeing my Savior and my God. It's going to be the means of me entering into life at its best. That's a wonderful way to look at death, and that's the way Paul saw it. Not as something to draw back from, but as something to use as a means of gaining everything he wanted. Then one last phrase. He ended it by saying, Grace be with you. Amen. Whenever we come to face death, that word will mean more to us perhaps than anything else. Knowing my prayers and my weaknesses, how much grace will mean. Saved by grace, living by grace, dying by grace, Going to heaven by grace. All summed up in that one word. How different it would be than to have to be able to stand before God having tried to earn or merit my salvation. But to know that it was through His grace. How precious is that word. Think about die and there being no grace. All is sin that comes short of the glory of God. Think about dying and there being no cross. Let every mouth be stopped and all that all may become guilty. Just think about that. Ah, but what it does to the heart to know that when that day comes, there's grace, abundant grace the unsearchable riches of His grace, exceeding grace, that wherever I failed and faltered, still having been faithful, grace says it will be all right. Grace makes it possible that when I stand there, there will be the Savior to say, He's here by my grace. One day you're going to face death. Will it be like Paul? Or will it be like Demas? Are you a Christian this morning? Terrible to think about death not being a Christian. I have not said this to frighten you, but I simply said this to help us ponder and think about some important things of life. Do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you tired and weary of sin? Are you willing to confess Him as the Son of God and your only hope and your only Savior? Are you willing to crucify the flesh and the lust thereof and to bury it in baptism to be raised a new man? Then to live as Paul did. Fighting the good fight of faith. Keeping the faith. 
finishing the course. If you've fallen by the wayside, there's hope for you. Mark corrected whatever mistake it may have been and became profitable. You can too. If you will repent, confess your wrong, and pray the Lord will forgive you. Death we must face. How will we face it? It's my prayer that we will strive to face it like Paul did. In that kind of faith, the invitation is yours. While together we stand and speak. Come for the table.